Welcome to another Principal Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, food brings people together and promotes community. And at Principal of Hospitality, we're here to disrupt current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. So that's why we've proudly partnered with Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia, on this season of Poe. Paul Gabby is a spirit industry veteran and accomplished entrepreneur. In addition to leading Eco Spirits, he is also the co-founder and director of Proofing Company, one of um, Asia-Pacific's leading independent spirit companies. During his tenure at Proofing Company, uh, CEO from 2014 to 2021, Proofing Company was ranked as one of the 500 fastest growing companies in Australia Pacific by the Financial Times and developed eight offices around across the region, a portfolio of leading independent spirits and the world's most awarded drinks consultancy. An authority on, on cocktail and spirits culture, Paul is regularly called upon by local, regional and international media to comment on develop, developments in the industry. So it's a delight to have him on the podcast today. Hey Paul, how are you? Sean, thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be with you and to abbreviate that that wonderful intro. I love bars, cocktails, and spirits. That's my background. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I um, there was so much great information there. I I almost stuffed up the whole intro, so I apologize for that. But um, but look, absolutely. You when we talked um, we talked the other week. Um, it was just amazing to talk about uh, your career in the industry and and really learn. A lot about obviously what's happening with Eco Spirits. A couple of months ago, we talked with Matt Wiley from Rebar in Sydney, um, who you guys are associated with as well, uh, and obviously Proofing Company. So let's start out by talking about how you started out in the hospitality industry. Yeah, I, I think I'm different than many who who might have fallen into the industry early, you know, teenage years or, or working through college and mm-hmm. or, or school and things and. Um, I came late to the industry. You know, I was uh, born in Canada, grew up and in, in started my career in New York City as a lawyer, actually, in the early 2000s, back mm. when, coincidentally, some of the first cocktail bars of the modern era opened, like Milk and Honey and Death yes. and Company, Employees Only and things. Mm-hmm. And as a young lawyer who was overworked, but with a little bit of extra money to spend, I, I found myself spending it on good cocktails in, in this emerging <laughs> class of craft cocktail bars and really fell in love with it. So, you know, fast forward 10 years later to about 2010, I found myself in Singapore for, for work, was doing mm-hmm. investing at the time mm-hmm. uh, and missed that cocktail culture in Singapore that we had loved in New York City. And I, I that led to co-founding 28 Hong Kong Street, which is one of the first American craft cocktail bars in yep. Asia. Uh, and then following that a year later and co-founding Proofing Company as a really a view that craft spirits were coming to the region and certainly to Southeast Asia and yeah. that, that wonderful sort of what we call the, what lots of people call the second golden age of fine drinking, you know, craft spirits, great hospitality, mm. focus on ingredients, techniques, um, would come to Asia just as it came to the U.S. and Australia and Europe in yep. earlier years. And that was the bet. And, and it led to a career in spirits and cocktails and bars that I never planned for or expected, but I... <laughs> Uh, look back 10 years on now and, and often thank my lucky stars. It's a great industry, as you know, and yeah. it's full of wonderful people. It's creative. It's resilient. 
Um, so I, I arrived by happenstance, but find myself very fortunate to be able to call myself a member of the industry now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I when I worked in Singapore a couple of years ago, I was I was really supply, surprised how the bar culture and, and the restaurant culture, especially around alcohol, is very much different to what I'm used to in Australia. Um, you know, the prices are uh, a bit more expensive and that kind of stuff for alcohol as well. Like, what what did you find was sort of the breakthrough moment in in doing that first bar in Singapore and and really making the locals and obviously internationals because you have so many so many people who use Singapore as a springboard to go to different parts of Asia um, to really understand what kind of concept you were creating there. I think it's a simple insight that at the time was just a hypothesis, but now I think is well proven was that this second golden age that we all fall in love with of, of great food, drink, hospitality, craft, and, you know, return to um, seeing hospitality professionals as a noble profession, as an elevated profession. It was a basic sort of hypothesis that that probably would hold true in Singapore or Bangkok, just as it did in Melbourne or New York City. And there wasn't a reason why, you know, an up and coming region with goods purchasing power, strong economies, well-traveled consumers, um, wouldn't fall in love with the same things that Americans or Australians would. Um, and it turned out in spades that that was correct. You know, all across Asia now, you've seen a, a flourishing over the last eight, 10 years of cocktail culture, of food culture, of beer, of wine, um, of craft spirits. And, and so that, that originally sort of a simple hypothesis proved to be a defining trend for the next eight or 10 years in the region. And we see it continuing. And, and we were just fortunate, I think, to be in the right time and you saw evidence of that in your visit to singapore this really vibrant fast-moving creative culture that does look different than bar culture in melbourne mm. but embraces some of the same fundamental principles quality craft ingredients concept um and and so that's it and i think you know looking ahead we see that storyline of the flourishing of the second golden age continuing and taking on new themes like sustainability which led us to eco spirits and some of the other things we've done beyond just bars and distribution. Yeah, of course. So let's talk about eco spirits because obviously that's how you know that's how um, I, f- I found out about you a couple of months ago, and obviously Proof and Company came from that as well. Um, um, so how did what is eco spirits about, um, and why do you feel the industry was actually asking for for what eco spirits actually is? So um, as much as I love this industry and I feel fortunate to have found myself here, we're not always the fastest to innovate and adapt. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, when you look at other sectors that, mm. that people might work in. And, and, you know, I go all the way back to my childhood in Vancouver, which, you know, the Pacific Northwest in Canada, the United States was one of the birthplaces of the modern environmentalist movement. And, you know, the early 1980s, I remember Uh, my mother sending me to school with a brown paper bag lunch because that was more environmentally friendly than plastic bags and, and, you know, throwaway cracker packaging. And I was, remember thinking I was embarrassed being, you know, the only kid around who had a a brown paper bag lunch. But that that environmental movement that that really was born 30, 40 years ago in places like Seattle and Vancouver uh, and in parts of Australia um, has come to not only Asia and Asia Pacific, but our industry in, in full force now. And I think mm. five years ago, as we were building up the company, we started to see sustainability as likely to be one of the defining trends of the next 10 years of the industry. Not yeah. only is it it simply, I mean, I'm biased, but I believe it's a must. You know, No industry can operate on an unsustainable basis now. Yes. If we all want to be around in 20 or 30 or 50 years, 
It's also where consumers are going, especially the generational shift in, in consumers who are, you know, that next generation has grown up with climate change, has grown up with no single-use plastic straws, has grown up with um, the real immediate risk it poses to their quality of life over the next decade or two mm. or three. And so that consumer is is pushing us as an industry. We have to change. If we don't change, the consumer is going to get out, out in front of us. So that's where EcoSpirits was born, you know, just as a bar uh, development team, an operator with 28 Hong Kong Street and doing consulting, but also really as a spirits distributor around the region, yep. even as a smaller player, moving glass bottles like Plantation Rum from France or Sipsmith Gin from London or a good tequila from Mexico all the way to Asia Pacific, all the way down to Auckland yeah. or you know, into Melbourne and then down to Adelaide, you realize how much packaging waste we are creating as an industry, just even in the single-use glass bottle. Yeah. And, and that gave rise in 2016 to another insight, another hypothesis was that looking ahead, it's probably going to be the case that the industry will have to move away from single-use packaging. And yeah. that that sort of insight came the idea of, well, what if we begin to work on a reusable closed-loop packaging solution? And and that goes back to 2016, that basic idea, the kernel that became EcoSpirits. 2017, we hired an engineering team, and it was developed and funded within Proof & Company. Mm. And we released the first version of the technology in 2018, mm -hmm. uh, and it's and that's that's what brought us to today. Again, a, a simple hypothesis about where the industry, in this case, has to go. Yes, that was um, concretized for us back in 2016. That mm -hmm. that we were able to then work away on actualizing into something that, that could contribute. And I think EcoSpirits today is poised to make a significant contribution to industry in that regard. Yeah. Do you do you find, obviously, with the brand being around for five years now, um, that the early adopters of this kind of technology, this kind of product, this closed-loop system, do you find it's been, you know, places like Rebar, which are which are really fundamentally caring about the environment and sustainability and, and, and food waste and all those different things which are really, really important for the growth and development of our hospitality industry, or do you find it's become a bit more easier to... I'll use the word sell, but but actually, you know, bring this product in to some mainstream venues you're working with. Because I understand, you know, Proof & Company, like you do a lot of bar consultancy for hotels and other different venues as well, like uh, through Asia Pacific. So do you, do you find it sort of coming into its own now where it's, it's, it's quite an easy kind of sell for you guys to make? I wish the technology had been around for five years. It took us about three years of quiet engineering and problem solving uh, in 16, 17, and 18 to yep. bring a viable first-generation technology to market that could safely and, and scalably and efficiently operate a closed-loop, totally reusable packaging. So we commercialized in 2018. We launched with Raffles Hotel in Singapore as mm -hmm. the you know, global first customer, pioneering customer for closed-loop spirits. Um, and we've we've been slow developing the system, the network, and bringing new partners onto the system since about early 2019. So we're about two two and a half years into into commercializing the technology, but the response has been remarkable. And I think you know the level of of interest in sustainability in the industry from operators, bars, restaurants, and you know hotels, not just at the leading edge. You've got bars like Re in Sydney, what Matt's doing, the team there is is, is exceptional. Mm. It's the kind of conversation 
setting venues like that that, that are driving the industry forward. We work with uh, penicillin in Hong Kong very closely. Agung Prabao won uh, Kettle One Most Sustainable Bar at the Asia Swifty Less Bars this year. Eco Spirits is built into their concept. There are closed loop bars perfectly yes. suited for partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, those venues really set the tone and lead the conversation. But as we all know, the industry is broad and it's deep. And if you want to affect meaningful scale change, you have to offer something that works for a huge range of diversity of venues and operators and things. And I think all I can say is that the broad response from the industry, from all types of venues, you know, whether it's uh, neighborhood venues in Melbourne or Sydney, leading venues that are on the craft side, but maybe aren't as focused on sustainability as their defining theme, like a re or a penicillin. Yes. Uh, all the way up through the chain, you know, we are pleased now that both Paramount and ALM in Australia are um, equipped and trained and certified in the EcoSpirit system. They're both offering the EcoTote format mm-hmm. and we'll slowly roll that out all across Australia, which means that that format, that waste savings, the cost savings will be available eventually to every venue in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, the buy-in from channel partners like that, a sense that they also believe that sustainability is the future of the industry. They're willing to make the necessary changes to warehouse staff training, uh, SOPs in order to make that all happen. And then all the way up to brand partners. You know, we've got Never Never Gin in Australia was proudly yeah. as part of the pilot. We brought them on as the first Australian spirit uh, to test the system in Australia, Mm. obviously a local spirit in a low waste closed loop format like eco spirits is sort of the ultimate in sustainability and spirits pouring. Um, And that's been great. We've seen really good traction for never, never. They're obviously doing great as a brand, but within the eco tote format, it's really, really, really grown quickly. Mm. Um, So the, the sort of the, the answer to your question, the long winded one is it's been a broad and deep, embrace of this innovation that's even exceeded our expectations and it cuts across all types of of partners and so that's very promising i think the industry is in a good place now we're not just talking plastic straws everyone realizes it's a much deeper period of evolution that the industry is going through and that it's going to involve everyone changing the way they do business and that's exciting that's up that gives me hope for the future that's great do you find that, um, you know, with some new technology which comes into the hospitality industry, especially with with new brands like yourself, you know, saying commercialise it for the last couple of years, is it, is it going to take a couple more years until this become normalised by way of, you know, it becoming cheaper or, or whatnot? Or is it is it is it something that smaller bars can do as well and jump on with Eco Spirits? Or is it something they may need to wait for a couple of years to, you know, have the economies of scale there? Well, change isn't easy for us stubborn humans, as we all know. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So there's always, you know, everything new. And we are living in a period of extraordinary change. And it's going to be forced upon us by climate change and other outside forces, or we're going to embrace it, Um, which makes it, it is difficult. You know, it's it's questioning the way we do things at an, you know, a venue, at a producer level, as a distributor. And that's not easy. We recognize that. So we, we really try with an innovation like EcoSpirits to make it as seamless as possible for all parties. So yep. part of the reason for that long three and now five year engineering journey and innovation journey we've been on is to address the challenges that it poses by changing the way things operate mm-hmm. and also to create something that's truly scalable and efficient. You know, an environmental or sustainable innovation is great, but if it costs three times as much, it's slower, it's more difficult. 
um, you're, you're not going to scale to a global or, or a meaningful impact level very quickly. Yep. And Ecosport's been built from the ground up with that global scale in mind. It, it's an enormously scalable, efficient technology, even for a small bar in Australia, a tiny operator who might be going through, let's say, one case of gin every two weeks, which means one ecotope, 4.5 liters every yep. two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the system is still efficient, and they will still save somewhere between 10 and 20% on the cost per ml of that spirit, which mm-hmm. we all benefit from in the difficult trading conditions that Absolutely. you know everyone's facing. Mm-hmm. Um, they can access that the 90% reduction, 80 to 90% reduction in CO2 footprint of the packaging and transportation. Um, so it's designed to be a very uh, seamless system to adopt. Every venue that, that uses the ecosystem technology is saving money on the cost of their spirits. Mm-hmm. Every venue is saving you know, about 95% of the physical packaging waste and 80 to 90% of the CO2. And that makes it scalable. We're approaching 700 venues in Asia Pacific now having adopted the technology. Those are a wide range of bars, restaurants, and hotels. Yes. Um, we're just in the process now the reason I'm up in Europe now is is to prepare for the launch here in Europe. Awesome. Um, we're launching and we are launched in the UK now, and and France and some other big markets are coming in Europe, mm-hmm. and and the system is designed for that level of, of ability to scale quickly. I will hope that we will be at approaching a couple thousand venues worldwide using the technology by the wow. end of 2021, and that that's you know an evidence of the industry's interest and and willingness to make change, and then also the scalability of the solution. Yeah. Do you, do you find, Paul, that obviously, you know, um, most beer coming out of bars comes from kegs, you know, do you, do you, do you find with your clients, obviously, as well with Proofing Company, that when they have eco spirits and they bring it in the venue and obviously they've got tap beer and that kind of stuff as well, maybe some tap wine, that they're getting to a point where there are no single use bottles and cans and that kind of stuff in their venue are they moving that deep are they using eco spirits as an actual pivot to then go well when we're not actually going to have any single use packaging in the in the venue or that's a very high standard yes you know the solution <laughs> eco spirits you know on the spirit side or let's say cake for your draft beer works well for the volume products that are yep. turning over mm-hmm. um you know where for spirits you know eco spirits is great for anything that's a house pour or that might be a cocktail list placement, even just one cocktail on your list that's prominent, that as I said, turns over a case every two weeks of a particular spirit, makes it usable. But the back bar, you know, where you want to have a selection, where you want to showcase the best of, let's say, Australian craft distilling right now, of which there's a couple hundred amazing distilleries out there. Yes. The volume turnover in those products is not sufficient to, you know, justify something like eco spirits. So I think just like with beer, where bars will keep a selection of craft beers, perhaps to extend their draft lineup, you Mm -hmm. know, and and that richness, um, venues aren't, aren't doing away with single use packaging entirely, but what they're doing is they're tackling their volume products, which is where 80, 90% of their overall packaging waste comes from anyway, as we know, and that, you know, sort of the 80, 20 rule in beverage operations. Absolutely. Um, so that, that's the way it's an approach. And we're, we're ever expanding the list of spirits that's available in the EcoSpirits format. We've been announcing. We've got more announcements coming out next week. We're going to continue to expand uh, the selection so that bars can make more and more use of it. And we nice. do see venues that might you know, start by picking up uh, 
you know, Plantation Rom as their house for Rom, and then we'll expand to add Never Never Triple Juniper Gin because it's in the format that they love now, and yep. they can you know, proudly talk about the environmental savings. So we do see venues expand over time quickly, quite what they select, but I don't think that we are at a stage yet or, or in the near future mm. in which venues, the average venue will do away with single use altogether. Yep. A bar like Penicillin in Hong Kong that is designed entirely at a DNA level around closed loop has done away almost entirely because their entire spirits list is built around the Eco Spirits format and a few other products that are available locally. Yep. Um, but they're uh, an exception for now that set the standard that, that, that inspire us all, but that's not achievable by the average bar for now. Yeah, for sure. Well, how are you feeling about the different markets that, you know, that you currently in? Obviously, you're uh, pretty heavily um, uh, indebted to into, into Southeast Asia. Um, you're talking about, you know, opening Europe and, and the UK obviously is a, is a live market at the moment. Are you, are you finding that different regions of the world are, are taking to this kind of product quicker than others or is it is it sort of pretty much the same mentality across the world i think the the two fundamental aspects of the offering one is the cost savings that, yes. is, that is delivered to venues by removing all of that transport and packaging costs from the supply chain mm. that's universal there's no venue in the world that doesn't uh appreciate a break on the cost of their pouring spirits and their cocktail spirits. Yep. And then second, the waste and CO2 footprint reduction is universal as well. There's, mm. you know, given even venues that aren't currently thinking sustainability as at the top of mind or aren't, aren't already moving in that direction, can see EcoSpirits as an initial step. Well, great, I'm saving some money, I'm improving my profitability, um, and I can take a first step in mm. my sustainability journey with this. So those, whether it's in India or Europe or America or our markets in Asia Pacific, we see um, those two foundational aspects of the offering resonating. Now, there are still differences in, in how um, different markets pick up an innovation like EcoSpirits. In China, where we launched last year, mm. uh, interestingly, the China market is very enthused about the technology aspect of the system, that it's modern, there are these green, unique looking ecotote system that are uh, tech driven. We have a smart pour, which is an automated pouring system that mm -hmm. mates with the ecotote. We've got a bar in, in China that's designed their entire bar around ecototes being embedded in the bar counter and showcased wow. to guests. And, um, we find, you know, bars in China putting ecototes up on the top uh, back shelf along with their cognacs and things because the tech aspect, the Chinese consumer is so tech forward, so looking for innovation and what's new and, and that. Whereas you take a, a New Zealand, for instance, where um, the take up per capita has probably been hot faster than anywhere else in the world. Wow. Simply because I think in New Zealand that that understanding and, and commitment to environmental awareness runs DNA level deep and people see it and say, this is a no brainer. You know, if we can save waste here, let's just do it. Um, so it is, it is different what resonates, but, but in, on a baseline level, everywhere we've been in the world presenting the technology, saving money and dramatically reducing your, your environmental footprint is a, is a win-win for most people. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's super interesting. I even think of like Australia, I'd imagine that somewhere like Tasmania, which is obviously, heavy on spirits and, and their and their spirit culture. Um, 
uh, around many different uh, many different spirits are also extremely vi- environmental conscious environmentally conscious as well. So I'm curious. I'm curious as this you know this uh, this product gets more notoriety if 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 those kind of regions of Australia actually you know um, take onto it more a bit like you know New Zealand took onto it uh, in a different way as well. Yeah. Yeah, Australia's been adopting very quickly, and now Proof and Company Australia is leading the charge and working with ALM and Paramount and, and really expanding the network across Australia. And mm-hmm. we're not—I don't think we've experienced yet in Tasman, but um, it is—you know—in Adelaide, it's in Brisbane, it's expanding in the Gold Coast now. Nice. Um, so Proof Australia is is doing a wonderful job driving the adoption, and now that we have. Um, the system embraced by both AOM and Paramount, I think we're going to see a, a continued really strong growth in Australia. And, and that's a good sign. And I think with so much, Australia is the leader in Asia Pacific in craft distilling yes. by far. Yes. Know, the, the maturity and the quality and the depth of the Australian distilling scene is great. So, you know, we can tap into that with EcoSpirits, offer great Australian producers a way to go to market in Australia to their consumer in a way that's more efficient and substantially more environmentally friendly. So I'm I'm excited and bullish about Australia. It's it's probably alongside China, our biggest market in Asia Pacific by volume now. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting time in in the bar scene in in, in this country because, um, you know, the tax incentives now to start to start breweries and to start distilleries like have never been better by the Australian government. And um and I think like even talking with my consultant um, with my clients in the industry. Um, over the last couple of months, like every, it seems like every person I'm talking to wants to do a gin distillery right now, or wants to do a brewery. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, but um, but also, you know, something I wouldn't have uh, wouldn't talk to people very much about the last two, three years, probably. So it's quite quite interesting time. I think it's going to lead to a lot of really cool, uh, really cool brands doing inventive things. So um, I definitely welcome it. Yeah. Um. I was going to ask you as well. Obviously, you know, we've said through the podcast with with regards with proof, proofing company, um, you're very close to this industry. Like, what what are you feeling about um, bar culture and about you know, especially hotel bar culture at the moment? Like, last year was obviously such a challenging time for hotels. I've said many times on the podcast that I believe hotels are really going to go through a renaissance period after. After COVID, I think they've got a really big role to play as they did in the eighties and nineties from a training perspective and a, and a recruitment and, and uh, uh, employee experience perspective. Like I, I feel like the hotel seems coming back though. I feel like there's some exciting things which are, which are happening. Like how, how are you and your team seeing, you know, bar culture and hotel cu- culture across Asia Pacific right now? It's, it's one of my favorite questions, Sean, in the industry. It's, it's a, uh, it's an area we've been very close to in, in Asia Pacific. And, you know, I think Australia, has led the region in, in many ways in a whole variety of categories. You know, if you look at Asia Pacific, Asia looks up to Australia in, in a whole wide range of ways, whether it's the craft distilling leadership that Australia has, has provided to the region, talent, you know, our current CEO at Proof and Company, Paul Broadbent, is you know out of Australia. Our creative director, Jason Williams, well known in Australia mm-hmm. and uh, has led all of the great work that Proof and Company has done over the last six years developing great bars. Yep. Um, but one of the areas that I think Asia, Australia can look to Asia for inspiration yes. is in hotel culture, hotel bars, hotel, you know, some of the great hotels of the world are in Asia and, and hotel experiences, you know, whether it's the Raffles in Singapore, or, you know, places like Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group out of Hong Kong, you know, there's just Rosewood Hotels. There's a wonderful, rich, diverse hotel culture in Asia that extends down to F&B yep. that 
I think is a ways ahead of Australia or even places like the US and Canada. Mm. So I do think that your question on hotels is, is relevant, especially for an Australian audience. We've seen over the last eight years in Asia's hotel uh, sector, uh, the same move into the second golden age of fine drinking as we saw originally led by the craft cocktail bar speakeasy scene. So you look now at, at Asia's 50 best bars, a substantial portion of the top 10, top 20, 50 overall are bars that are in and operated by hotels. Um, you have bars like Manhattan Bar in Singapore that was at the top of the list for quite a while, was mm. a group creative project Jason helped lead. Wow. Um, in, you know, the best bar in Korea is a Charles H, which is a Four Seasons bar that we were involved with. That um, There's, you know, the most sustainable bar last year in Asia was Four Seasons in Kuala Lumpur, Bar Chibona. So I think that the experience of Asia over the last eight years of hotels moving into the modern era of F&B, embracing and understanding that not only they, they have to compete with the independent bar sector to, mm. to be relevant, but that there is something special about the great hotel bar. You know, it, it's, yes, you know, 100%. you've got, um, you know, the maybe Frank team and, you know, the, the teams that are recreating some of that specialness of, of hotel bars. But yeah. in the end of the day, there is something in a hotel about being in the bar that's different than, than the bar, what you can create outside. So I think the future for Australian hotel bars, if we look at Asia as, as, Inside is is relatively bright, um, you know. Craft and is is flowing throughout the industry. Um, Proof is working on a number of bars, hotel bars. Charlie Ainsbury is leading our work uh, down in Australia um, on the hotel bar, hotel bar development. So I think they're an important part of the sector. I think there's something incredibly special about the great hotel bar. If you look at the world's 50 best bar rankings over the last 10 years, mm. the top five positions have inevitably gone a majority to hotel bars worldwide. And that says something, you know, it yeah. might say that people may argue, well, there's a lot of voters in London, New York, but the fact that, that so many, you know, the Savoy American bar, the Artesian when it was at the top of the list for many years, the Beaufort bar, the Connet bar, um, I think those, those provide templates and we've seen great success with hotel bars in Asia. And, and I do believe we'll now start to see, you know, a similar level of creativity and vigor in the hotel scene in, in Australia, mm. but with its own twist, of course. Do you think, I'm, I'm really curious of why the hotel bar scene is, has this feeling about it, Paul, because I, I feel about that too. If I go to, you know, a great hotel bar, like thinking about, you know, when I started my career sort of in the late in the late 90s and thinking about, you know, the hotel bars I used to go into. And I, I, you can't real, I can't really think about the feeling that I would have in a hotel bar going to a, you know, going to a pub or a really nice, you know, independent independent bar. Like what do you, what do you think that feeling is? Do you think it's an experience from the hotel team that just can't be replicated? Do you think it's a nostalgia thing? Like what, what do you sort of put it down to? This is not an expert opinion, this is a, you know, personal feeling, but there's a, there's something, some form of romance and, mm. and emotive power to the idea of in residence that a bar is connected to where you, you are staying in a city. And this idea that the, the hotel bar is the living room for hotel guests, yeah. you know, who are staying in a hotel, there's just some mystique that goes back a couple hundred years in, mm. in what it means to be a human engaged in travel experienced in an unfamiliar city 
in an unfamiliar bedroom where you're staying for the night <laughs> and having as a living room uh, a beautiful place to drink. And if you go over those 200 years of the continued refinement of hotel service and hotels often led, it was the places that we could experience for the first time new things like running bath water, air conditioning, you know, yeah, elevators, things that, <laughs> things that you'd never experience at home. And so we have this romance and mystique associated with great hotels. I think that it's, it's come from that couple hundred years. And so it's something to do with that. That's yep. not an expert scientific opinion, <laughs> but my belief is very much, it comes to that unique place in the human experience that comes with travel, staying in residence in a hotel and having a bar form part of that experience. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love that um, that comment you made. It's like the living room of the hotel. I think that's a, I think that's a really, really great point um, and something we should all think about how we do that in our venues, I think. Um, my last question too before I let you go, Paul, is is what are you looking forward to with with the brand? Obviously, you, you know, you co-founded Proof & Company, but with the success of Eco Spirits going to uh, going to Europe now, how what are you looking forward to next? I think we what get what I enjoy. Well, I, lo- I get up every morning and I still love this industry. It's been a very challenging couple of years for everyone and and distributors, bars. Everyone has had to navigate a very difficult period. But I think that that moment, that the pause that it's given us all to reflect on what we're doing in the industry. Why are we here? Do we really? want to be doing it again when the world starts turning again mm. um for me has has really reaffirmed that what i love about this industry the resilience and and the, the industry spirit the cooperative spirit that has come out in the last 18 months has, has just reaffirmed to me that i think the future is very bright for the industry we're going to get through this tough period it's going to come back we've been serving food and drinks for thousands of years it is not changing yeah. it's coming back and as part of that, I do think that we're going to do things differently. What will change is this reset has given us a chance to rethink what we're doing, mm. how we're doing it, why are we doing it. And yep. I am very passionate about EcoSpirits playing a role in that reset, that, that uh, an, an awareness that single-use packaging waste isn't sustainable at a fundamental level. And yep. you know, when EcoSpirits went public last year, we launched our Instagram, and we adopted a, a call to action, no single use glass or end single use glass. Wow. Well, at the time when we launched the Instagram account, there were less than 20 hashtags worldwide that had to do with single use glass. It wasn't <laughs> even a conversation. There were millions for single use plastic because that conversation is advanced. But so I really see the future of EcoSpirits is now taking this mission to reduce single use class and thereby help tackle the packaging waste problem that our industry is creating mm. um, to a global level in in close partnership with venues that care about sustainability with distributors and wholesalers like the ones I mentioned earlier in the interview uh, and with brand partners and producers that see a different future um, that's what we're all about and I, I see that being a very bright future as we emerge from the pandemic and as we really rethink how we do things and I get up every day now and just work with a great team at EcoSpirits and great partners like the team at Proof & Company to think about how we can reach more venues, how can we reach more countries, how can we scale this impact so that we ultimately do make a dent. There's, there's Our best estimate in 2020 was that there were 40 billion single-use glass spirit bottles produced and consumed. Wow. One year, one sub-sector. Uh, one product. And it sounds outrageously high until you start to break it down and realize that the Koreans alone drank about three and a half billion bottles of soju 
Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Staggering, okay. staggering number. Yeah. Um, but those are the statistics. And so, you know, our mission, our mission as a, a company at EcoSpirits is to put a dent in that 40 billion bottles a year and, and do it with great partners like the ones we have already across Asia Pacific. Yeah, right. Wow. Well, I've learned a lot during this podcast, so I thank you for your time, Paul. Um, what, what's the best way that people can find out about EcoSpirits um, or even Proofing Company as well and get in contact with you? Sure. I mean, uh, at Proofing Company on Instagram is great. It's a very active site. We tell a lot of stories about what's happening around the region and fine drinking. For EcoSpirits, at ecospirits.global on Instagram or ecospirits.global on the website is good. Mm-hmm. Get in touch. If you're a venue, if you're someone working on sustainability and want to engage and discuss the change that's happening, if you're a brand producer, um, we're going to be opening up the system over time. So do reach out. Um, and we really just wish everyone the best, especially our friends in Australia, as we come through this particularly difficult COVID period. The light is at the end of the tunnel um, and the future is is pretty bright, I believe. Yeah, I totally agree. So it's been great to talk to someone about something so bright as EcoSpirit. So I really appreciate your time, Paul. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for shining a spotlight on this type of innovation, Sean. It really matters and it's how we get the word out. My pleasure. <laughs> So thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Please comment, share, and like this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind. So we really appreciate you sharing it along to those you care about the most. Thanks as well to our supporter, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia, Chef's Hat, where the industry shops. And if you don't know us at Pose, Sash, my co-founder from Printable Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around regarding strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, or graphic design, then find them at principledesign.com.au. And myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with systems and processes to make your business run smoothly. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Chef's Hat for supporting us. And until next time, stay safe. <laughs>